everyone. Um, my name is Tosin, and um, I'd like to welcome you to Fiat Vault Podcast. Fiat Vault is brought to you by Fiat Match, a soon-to-be-launched peer-to-peer international money transfer community. And on, on Fiat Vault, we have um, immigrants and you know experts um, come around and share tips to help immigrants succeed in their careers or their businesses or as international students. And today, our topic is um, a very interesting one. It's job interview job interview tips for new immigrants. And I'm happy to have um, Travis here with me. And so I'm just going to ask him to introduce himself. So Travis, tell us about you. What do you do? Who is Travis? <laughs> I, I feel like that's such a, a loaded question, but but at the same time, that is exactly who I am. A lot of people, when it comes to interview coaching, that one question seems to stomp people. Tell me a little bit about yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. So my name is Travis Patterson, and I'm a best-selling author on Amazon. And yeah. I'm a speaker and a coach, resume writer, and the creator of the digital app called Interviewly, which helps people all across the world with interview coaching and salary negotiating. Um. 10 years in, uh, as an interview coach, 14 years um, as a resume writer and human resources professional. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. 10 years. So you've been, you've been helping people from all over the world, you know, to land their dream jobs, negotiate the kind of compensation they want and all that for the past 10 years. Yeah, you're a pro. So yeah. we have the right person. <laughs> we have the right person for this topic, right? <laughs> Yeah. All right. So thank you, um, Travis, for having me. Yeah. Thank you for joining. All right. So I think um, the first question that just comes to mind for me as an immigrant myself is, um, you know, depending on the country you are, you are, you know, you are relocating from, depending on the country you are traveling from to another country, um, the requirements of um, the requirements for a resume is quite different. So, for example, um, the res- resumes in the UK um, have a certain kind of format, um, separate or different from resumes in Canada or in the US, right? So that means that there's something important about resumes, you know, for 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 you to have so many formats depending on the country, you know, you're applying to and all that. So, how, in your words, Travis, how important are resumes? Super important. Um just as important as your time is to you, resumes are important to the reader who are reading them. So to kind of make it a a short story, um, a resume, just like a TV commercial or an an Instagram commercial, it it, it takes seven seconds, right? For you to truly make a decision if you want to connect with whatever that is in front of you. So with that resume, and specifically in the United States, because the format is different here, as you already have stated in other countries. If it is not speaking directly to the reader in, in such a brief amount of time that really says enough, the primary cause the, and the primary purpose is for that resume to trigger the reader to decide if I want to interview them. A, a big theory and a big myth is that the resume is supposed to get you a job. It is not supposed to get you a job. That's the end result. But the resume itself is supposed to get an interview. If the resume receives the interview, then it's a good resume. It does what it's supposed to do. It's drawing attention. It speaks to the person who is reading it. And of course, when you, the candidate, gets the interview, then of course, it's your responsibility to not just get the job, but make sure it's a good chemistry fit for both of you, the the employer and the employee or future employee. Wow, amazing. Um, because just this morning, I was writing um, a caption for a post where we're going to be publishing tomorrow. And it's about our, uh, we, have, we have a library of resume templates we just created. And the caption I wrote was, a resume is meant to get you that interview. Like it's meant to, make the recruiter or hiring manager say, you know what, I, I need to speak to this person. I need to know more about this person. That's the, that's the job of a resume, right? So 
hearing you say that just you know makes me go wow like so so true so okay um we've seen (laughs) thank you we've seen how important resumes are right so the next thing then is what would you say is the number one mistake mistake um people make on their resumes oh that's an easy one for me so I know you you probably looked me up before you uh, before we actually spoke, but I just published my book and this is the Amazon bestseller interview activator. And this book is also based on the training that is in uh, the app called Interviewly. And that's one of the first things that I talk about. And, and, and I actually break down ways to avoid this mistake. So I would say that one of the biggest mistakes when it comes to writing your resume or even having your resume written is not wasting digital space or as a resume writer i would say digital real estate so that paper you know is it's a standard format and the executive summary for example um or or even just the contact section there's you do you have uh like newspapers do you ever like you read newspapers yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so there's an old term when it comes to newspapers that, that dates back probably a hundred years. And it's it's called above the fold. Because when you receive a newspaper, it's folded. Everything above that first half is what's gonna capture the, the person's attention who's walking by the newsstand and, and, is, and is going to decide if they want to pick up that newspaper or not. So same thing with the resume, actually. So the first resume is not going to be folded. So I want to make sure people understand that. But from from the attention standpoint of the human mind, everything that's above the half, above the fold, is so critical. It needs to be the most important, most relevant, most impactful information. So with, with that being said, it's also important to not waste that space. So two things that people may do when it comes to wasting that space is having your contact information take up probably a quarter of that space, if not half of half of that space. They need to know, they need to know who you are and, and how to contact you. They probably don't need to know your address. They probably don't need to know your social security number. Not yet. They probably don't need to know, you know what your other social media handles are. Just give them the, the core basics, your telephone number, your country code, if that's the case, if you're applying internationally. Um, of course, your name, the correct spelling of your name so they can find you and re- do their own research after they look at your resume. And if you have a LinkedIn profile, make sure your LinkedIn uh, link is there and abbreviated, not with all the extra you know, junk letters and characters that may be up there. And the second mo- most important piece above the fold um, I would have to say is the executive summary. I cannot tell you how many times I've wasted so much time reading this boring sentence. Um, I am passionately interested in a role. I'm, I'm, I'm making this up as I go, by the way, but <laughs> because it's 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 always a variation of the same sentence. I'm passionately interested in utilizing my skills in a role that would challenge me blah 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 it sounds like um something a robot wrote or something yeah or or you know someone with a i want to say fifth grade maybe a ninth grade ninth grade education because it's it seems like the right thing to do but it's a waste of space when you're competing against 200 to 300 other qualified people let me know why i should call you why why should i reach out to you right so i would just say straight up um i am a resume writer of 10 years focused in human resources and resume writing i have success helping people get fifty thousand dollar raises in one year one simple sentence that tells you why i am different than this person that person and the next and most at most i would do two sentences three max if you do more than four sentences it's a it's it's a paragraph you're beginning to write a cover letter if your executive summary is longer than it should be 
some of that content should probably go over to the cover letter. And you did not ask me this, but I'm going to give you this little this little hint, this little secret. Unless, and, and, and I do understand that in different countries, it may not be called cover letter. Um, but unless the employer is asking for and requesting it, making it mandatory, you don't have to volunteer yourself to submit a cover letter. It's additional. Sometimes it is additional documentation that's taking more time away from me deciding if you are the right person I want to call or the interviewer wants to call. Yeah. I mean, that was going to be my next question. I just, I just wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I know I just wrote it down, you know, that how important <laughs> is the cover letter because it's like, your executive summary already gives like um, a summary of you of you and your experience and skills. So do you really need to write yeah. another letter, you know, a full letter trying to sell yourself to the recruiter and all that? So I think you've answered my question already. So what what, what are your top tips for writing great executive I mean, summary? Yeah. I would say depending on your industry um and, and just to make sure i clarify cover letters are they're good when they're effective but if you are writing a cover letter just for the sake of having a cover letter you you may just be wasting not only your time and and the, and the reader's time but make sure that it's required because a depending on that talent acquisition specialist or that recruiter or that human resources manager that may be pulling that that data or those documentations they may again 200 other people they that may not be what they want to add to it because 200 individual resumes plus a cover letter means now 400 documents that they're going to have to read so just make sure it's required first and make sure it's effectively written written so a, a way that you can write an effective executive summary I would have to say, start with the facts. Um, if you are, again, competing against hundreds of other people or even um, dozens of people, because honestly, if when the number gets smaller, it gets more critical. And you want to make sure that you're keeping that, that person's attention. I would first sentence, what is what is the one thing that you know that they're going to want to know most about you? Um, if they want to hire someone that has um, X amount of years of experience versus the next, then you make sure that you show that you have seven years experience, 10 years experience as specifically this thing that you're looking for. If you are if you're at this level in your career, but they're looking for this, but you're willing to settle for less in, in the responsibility, which would mean a different job title. I would have to say, again, just for the sake of the person who's reading the resume and, and they're going to see that section, do not list yourself because you can easily just change that in your resume here in the executive summary and also in the title of your resume. Try to make sure that if they're looking for this, that you give them this, even if you have this much experience. If you're looking for this, give them this because now you're creating more questions than answers. Why is this person who's here applying for this position that is here? They must want more money or they want to be a manager or they want or, or they're going to come on and this is a temporary position for them. And then they're going to leave us as soon as they find something better. Now, you, at this point, you're just creating more questions for yourself instead of answers. Make sure you deliver on the answers that they care about the most in the executive summary. And you can get that from the job description. So that's yeah. a little shortcut to being successful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like when writing your resume and writing your, if you need to write a cover letter, for example, I feel like it's important for you to check, you know, number one, tailor your resumes to different roles or different applications. Don't use the same resume for all job applications because in tailoring your resumes to your different resumes to different applications, then you can pick out some of the requirements 
and impute them into your executive summary, your experience, and highlight those things they are looking for. So what, can, you, can you just tell us a little bit more about that, you know, how to incorporate the, incorporate the requirements on a job ad in your resume and, yeah, application as a whole? Absolutely. So on, at best, uh, the resume represents the industry that you are applying for. Um, and it should speak directly to the position that you are applying for if you really want to be noticed. Uh, but ultimately, if you're doing a career change or you may have had a type of background that it, it, it may not be consistent. So you were a mechanic one day, you were a chef another day, you are a electrical engin engineer the next. Um, this is probably going to hurt you. But at best, the best thing you can do is state use the current uh, job description and ad that you are applying to and use that title, especially if you know that it's going to be a little confusing. As I just stated earlier, you don't want to create more questions. You want to create answers to their most deepest pain points. You have to always look at every time you see an ad, look at it from the recruiter standpoint, from the HR department's point of view. They are willing to spend money to post an advertisement to attract you and other candidates to apply to this. They're talking to you and 200 other people. So they must be in some kind of pain where they need to talk to people like you. So why not make it easy for them? Do their job for them, right? Approach them and say, hey, I saw that you were looking for job title A. I am job title A and I have X amount of experience, you can approach them using sources like LinkedIn, uh, for example. So that is one way that you can make sure that you're standing out. Use that job description for your benefit. That resume, when you're writing it, if you're going to write your own resume, and it's okay if you hire someone else to write your resume, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I hire people to cut my grass. I hire people to to, to uh, do my plumbing. I hire people <laughs> to to do anything that I, I'm not the best in it. So I would rather make sure that the best people are doing the, the right thing, especially if that means that my time may be better utilized doing something else where I may be better in it. And there's nothing wrong with that. So if you are going to do your own resume, I would just make sure that you're taking that job description. You're looking at how many years of experience are you looking for? what are what's the responsibility as it relates to what you've been able to do for your previous companies if you do not if this is one of your first few jobs and you may not have that experience yet you may need to find ways to take that job description just just take it apart just rip it apart and and take certain words from it and terminology from it and even certifications from it if that's the case and you may be able to get that same experience in a in a role of responsibility directly under it or that company may have a role open directly under it, so you may be able to take a shortcut and get into that role and pay that you're looking for yeah absolutely very very important very important thank you for um, sh um sharing more insights about that okay so my next question is um you know because like i told you earlier uh you know our audience the people that will be watching this video are uh, immigrants there are people that traveled like miles away from their own countries and are building you know their lives in a new country or in new countries different countries from the us to the uk to canada now as an expert with over 10 years of experience how can new immigrants differentiate themselves in the job markets because for example you hear situations where someone applies for a job and they are told oh sorry we want someone that has, say, um, Canadian experience or something. And I'm not Canadian. I just came into Canada as a new immigrant. How do I get Canadian experience if I don't get hired, if I don't get a job? So what would, what, what's, what's your most important advice to new immigrants on how they can differentiate themselves and get the kind of jobs they want? That's a really good question. And I appreciate you for, for asking, uh, Tosin. So I would have to say two things. One, if you like, so you and I, you know, um, 
although I am here in my home country now in the United States, in Atlanta, Georgia, I would also be considered a foreigner if I wanted to go apply to a role in, as you said, Canada or in South Korea um, or, or China. And those are different places where I'm not necessarily looking for roles to, to work, but I am looking for speaking engagements there because I am a speaker. I'm a coach. I love training people and helping people. So it's kind of the same principle. I'm going to make sure that I'm researching what their requirements are, because culturally speaking, there may be different levels of, okay, they may not like to be approached. The job poster or the department leader or the hiring manager, uh, they may not like to be approached directly. That may be against their line of respect or chain of command. So you can do your research to see, you know, what is the, what is the way that you could, more importantly, not mess up a good relationship that you can start there versus taking the chance to just immediately ruin one. So there's a couple of different resources that you can use. Of course, I'm always going to resort to LinkedIn and those types of resources, but you can also use Google. You can use Google to simply research um, protocols for applying in the country that you're interested in. Um, there's something I, I didn't know this about uh, working in China or working. I mean, again, this is this is anywhere you may apply. There may be visa uh, requirements, you know, for you or working visa for you to be there. There may be a requirement where you may need to already have a place to go and, and be there presently. But the best thing you can ever do is do your own research to see what are the primary requirements for you to be there. And if you uh, are required to have those things prior to you applying or after you apply, I would say just as a rule of thumb, you probably want to make sure that you do that research first, especially if you know exactly which country you want to work in. And just so you're not wasting your time getting unnecessary documents too soon that may or may not be required by that that country you're going to. Second thing is, um, and I will always revert back to building relationships. You can build a relationship with a company that may be related to um, the company that you're actually interested in. So if you are looking to get Canadian experience, which I'm assuming just with that example, <clears throat> someone who would be fluent in French, uh, someone who, or in an environment where you may speak, may, may speak French or uh, more regionally, you may be used to working in that area where there may be certain etiquette uh, that, that may be practiced in that, in that, uh, in that place. You can, you can get experience one of two ways. One, you can do an internship and you do not have to be in school to have an internship. A lot of internships you do, but most of them you don't. You can build a relationship with somebody who's doing the role that you're doing or that you want to report to and just simply reach out to them and be truthful, be, be forthcoming. My name is Travis. My name is Tosin and I am interested in working for your organization. I see that you're looking for experience with people who speak French. I do speak French, but I, I do understand that in your industry, you may want, if it's healthcare, for example, uh, I know you may be interested in me having medical terminology in French. I do have experience and access to these types of resources. I do not mind paying for it on my own. I would just like an opportunity to show you how passionate I am and invested I am into building my career with your company. Some of the sort, right? Um, so you can get experience by volunteering and through internships. Internships can be paid. They're not always free. So it's okay to ask for something or just be willing to, you know, listen to what they're willing to offer. If you Probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I can ever give someone in, in that situation, when it, especially when it comes to internships and or and or getting experience in a career that you may not have any experience prior. How beneficial and I'm going to I'm going to give you this answer with a question. 
how beneficial would it be for you to work for free or work for less in an or in an career that you've never worked for before to get real live experience make mistakes on somebody else's dime on their payroll or just in, in with them and have them correct you in a matter of three months working directly one-on-one -on -one with a small department or or an individual to have access to a complete industry that you've never had access to before with more benefits more pay and more opportunities to grow three months is not a long time as it compares to people who spend six years to 12 years getting their degree and never getting around to using it so build your relationship get you an end build the build the conversation and do not be afraid to invest three to six months uh to get your foot in the door thank you very much travis very 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 true i totally agree with that so um i mean one of the posts we are, are supposed to publish this week um i talked about how to get you know how to um get that canadian experience or american experience required of you sometimes when you apply for, apply for these jobs and the, some of the recommendations i gave were one you know volunteer you can i mean with the way the world is right now remote work and all that so you can actually volunteer virtually and remotely with any company and you know gain those skills that you need um another uh, another way is to intern like you said another 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 way is to take maybe a bridging program so i know that in canada for example there are certain bridging programs you can do that also includes a few weeks of internship and you, you, so you end up getting a certificate and some work experience so yeah like you said at the end of the day you just need to research like the things you need for what you want and then take the necessary steps to get there so thank you very much um, for that travis not a problem yeah. at all and, and, so, and just in case you were looking for like an uh, i'm not gonna say an easy way but a credible way to get experience internationally uh i volunteer with the united nations online so the united nations they have a program where they're constantly giving you volunteering opportunities and i have adopted whole communities in, in West Africa uh, when it comes to career development. I've 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 adopted certain um, organizations, nonprofit organizations in different parts across the world with their nonprofits, and they may they may have needed someone to come in and coach on leadership or speaking engagements or being able to anything. I'm just gonna say anything as long as they're willing to upskill and, and look for someone those organizations can submit their interest for someone um, express their interest internationally. So that is a way that you can get some credibility uh, quickly for getting some international exposure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and you can do it online. Everything can be done online, you know, by vol volunteering with, you know, well-known and respectable organizations like the United Nations and um, I think another one that's quite popular, especially in Canada, is Charity Village. Not directly with them, but on Charity Village, you can find non-profits that you can then apply to and you know, um, volunteer with them. I actually volunteered with a couple of um, organizations by applying through Charity Village. That was last year. So like those are the things you can do to just prepare yourself you know, for your career when you eventually move abroad. You know, because the people we are talking to are people who have probably gained, um, they've gotten their permanent resident visa, and so they are actually authorized to live and work in Canada, and then they have to start, you know, they now start looking for jobs and all. You know, back some, maybe a decade or two decades ago, when you hear that someone, you know, um, migrates to a new country, it's almost automatic that the person would have to start from the scratch maybe be a taxi driver or a cleaner or something gone are those days you don't really you don't have to go through that um you can you can actually do your research and prepare you know for life in the country you want to move to very very important and very very doable all right so um the next thing i want to talk about is something i feel it's 
is interesting and as an expert that you are i know you'll be able to shed some lights um on this topic on this question um so what would you say so we, we, we already spoke about how your resume gets your gets you you know at the interview mm-hmm. your resume will you know will determine if the recruiter or hiring manager wants to talk to you now what then is the purpose of a job interview i know you you you, you you touched on it earlier on you said you want to see if there's chemistry and all that i wanted to just expand on that what's the essence of job interviews and how can you know how can applicants or candidates prepare themselves to do well absolutely so one of the biggest myths about job interviews is that you're supposed that you're supposed to sit there and just be peppered or interrogated with questions like it's a one-way line of communication like it's a it's a monologue and you're and you're supposed to just sit there and respond like a child that's in trouble with their parents <laughs> for for doing something um you know tell me the last time you've done such and such and such or you know do you have any experience with this can you do that why should we hire you you know for some reason and i, I can't tell you exactly why or where it it may have come from it it may be a sense of um understanding about the interview process or self-confidence being able to have a conversation or speak and back to someone who was asking the questions you should have at least half of the amount of questions that they're going to have for you so one of the biggest myths is that an interview is not an interrogation it is a conversation an interview is not an interrogation it is a conversation if you ever get into an interview and they're constantly just asking you questions and you only have either yes or no responses now before i continue here's a red flag so traditionally i would give interview coaching for candidates but if you are an employer that is looking, you may be watching this video with Fiat Match. Um, if you are an employer who's looking to hire internationally, if you're only asking um, either or questions instead of open-ended questions, then that may be a red flag as well, because that shows that you're not truly interested in them. You're only interested in what they can do for you for right now. Can you do the job? Yes. When can you start? Tomorrow. You know, if that's what it is, then you probably you probably do not want to build a relationship with a company that is of that sort. So have questions, see what their main interests are. Now, here's the way that you can build your questions. Most companies, they're going to build their profits on people, products, process, um, procedures and it may just be service as well and and there's so many different little things that you can do based on whatever industry that may be but i would have to say do your research on what on how they measure success in your in the department you want to work in or the company as a whole or if the companies are collaborating in some kind of way find ways that they measure success build your questions on how it relates to you try not to again just the same way you don't want to waste space on your resume try not to waste their time asking rhetorical questions rhetorical questions being um if you hire me how great do you want me to be what um or or questions <laughs> stating um what do you how, how do you reward your uh good behavior or your 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 process your your, so your uh your, your, your good revenue generating employees um, that, that may do it, which that could be a good question. But at the same time, I feel like, especially for your first or second interview with that organization, try to get to know the responsibilities and find chemistry with the overall company first before you start getting a little deeper in, okay, if I'm hired, X, Y, Z. So definitely find ways to, to get questions. One question that you can ask, and I always give this uh, to, to different clients, uh, you can ask, how do you measure success in this department? How do you measure success in this role uh, for me? 
And you can even make sure you're exp- that you're expressing your own intelligence with the question. I understand that this department or this role does X, Y, Z. How do you measure success for me as I contribute to this role? That is a way that you can show that one, you're listening, that you care about what they do and you're not just there for yourself. Do not show up to an interview to just um, only impress. They Again, they're willing to spend money to talk to you. They want to talk to you too. They need to talk to you. They have a pain that you are the answer. Make sure that it is good for both people, both organizations, like you and the organization, and that you're not just being, you know, yes, yes, I can do anything. Yes, yes, yes. In, in a world where you can work online or even you can get a job online and be in person in any type of, in most countries, just take your time and don't settle if you can help it. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Amazing tips. Very, very, very important, actually. Like, um, I love what you said about the fact that an interview is not an interrogation. It's a conversation. And I feel like even like when you ask insightful questions and questions that help you to understand the company and what they are trying to achieve, somehow it even helps. It, it helps the hiring manager or the recruiter. It helps them to see that, you know, you know what you're talking about. So you're interested in this role. You know what is needed. So, like, avoid asking unnecessary questions or questions that won't get to anywhere, questions that won't give you any insight into knowing if this, if this is actually a good fit for you. Because at yes. the end of the day, someone said on LinkedIn, and I totally agree, an interview is both ways, actually. It's two-sided. The, the company is interviewing you. You're also interviewing them. You want to see if that's actually the best fit for you as well because this is a company you probably work with for another two, three, four years of your life. So where you work is, is very important. So you don't just keep saying yes, 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 just because you want the job. It has an impact on your mental health. It has an impact. Your job has an impact on many areas of your life. So like it's very important that you know you you you, you see that interview session or those interviews are having as you know go um, two-sided you also you're also interviewing them and you can choose to fire them can choose to not to go ahead you know with them and all that so um very very as absolutely very very important thank you so much travis um so um, i'm going now to my last question because uh, our time is almost up and um i would say that this has been a very insightful conversation, really. Um, if you're watching this video, yeah, if you're watching this video and you are a new immigrant in Canada, in the US, in the UK or Australia, and you're trying to like um land a good job, and probably you've been getting discouraged by you know all the rejections. You know, you hear people talk about how they applied to 600 jobs and imagine applying to 600 jobs and getting rejected by you know hundreds of companies there, there's a way it just weighs you know um your morale your your it just weighs you down so i wanted to just speak to that as a recruiter what would you say to someone currently applying and you know getting rejected what would you say to a client that comes to you feeling down and frustrated by this job search process very good question so there's a there's a section in this in this book that speaks to emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence is it's one of those things that you don't think about often until you have to right um being turned down often does not mean that you are worth less or worthless those are two different words two different meanings there being turned down it gives you, you have to, you have to look at it from a, a different point of view. If you're being turned down and, and you're starting to feel a little depressed, a little down, you just have to remember that each interview that you entertain, not, not each interview that you're turned down, but each interview that you entertain, that it is giving you more experience to get to that. Yes. And you also have to keep in mind, and you just spoke on it yourself. The interview is not only for them to say yes, it's also for you to say yes as well. It has to be 
uh, a mutually benefiting conversation for both sides. Whoever who asks the most questions leaves with the most value and benefit. If you ask no questions, you can still you, you can sometimes get the job, but you're going to be paid this much because you had no genuine investment. The level of questions that you may have may determine a five thousand a ten thousand dollar increase in your job offer. So questions are important, but do not look at do not look at it as you are not worthy, that you are worthless. Just look at it as experience. Because the more experience you have, the better it gets. You're interviewing on camera in, in, in today's world. You're in, you're, you, you may even be working. They may be your working uh, environment where you're using Skype, Microsoft Teams, um, or Zoom. There may be so many other platforms where you're working virtually or even working in, in person where you may have to hold meetings. If it helps, when before when I started helping people, I wasn't always looking into the camera this way. I used to look down here where the, you know, where the screen was. And I'm pretty sure if you're looking at me right now, that doesn't make you feel comfortable. So I know how to make a connection with you across the screen. That didn't happen overnight. I had to learn how to be confident in myself in order for me to express confidence to the other person on the other screen to make you feel confident that what I that what I know, I actually know to help you and I can give it to you and you're willing to accept it. So definitely do your research about what emotional intelligence is as it relates to you, because there's so many ways that you can improve your emotional intelligence so that you do not get burned out from all of the conversations, all of the bad in, interrogations that you had previously as interviews. But now you can begin to have um, exciting and beneficial and fruitful conversations that will now become your interviews where it's mutually benefiting for both. So one really great takeaway that you can, well, another takeaway that you can have when it comes to being, to going through so many conversations and not getting the job, you always come out with something. Ask a question that you didn't ask last time. To, to the to the competitor or to the previous interviewer. And each question that you ask, guess what? You can also look at this as an opportunity to get, as you had just stated, insight into that industry so that you are getting that one-on-one experience. Every single person you talk to is a new relationship. Every single person you talk to is a new relationship that you're building. That's a win. Somebody on the other end of that phone, on the other, on the other end of that screen, wanted to talk to you at the same time. If, if you of you having interest in your life for for meeting them. Now in your career, again, career not just a job, but in your career, in majority of time, depending on what your industry is, that circle can be very small. As far as how many people are in that industry that actually have the power to extend an offer letter or a job to you. So every single person that you talk to is a new relationship. And guess what? That last person you spoke to, they are an employee as well. They're not just a hire manager. They may leave that job. Next year, they may be at another job. And guess what? They talk to you. You know, so-and-so. I saw that you had this position open. You remember me? We spoke last year. I just want to make sure that you knew that I was interested in the role and you already have experience for what I'm looking for. Oh, but guess what? I actually have a little bit more experience than last time we spoke. I would love to grab a call with you so I can share the new things that I've learned and the experience that I've gained. Are you available this Tuesday? Are you available this Wednesday? You know, always to have that call to action. So I hope that helps. Absolutely, like it helps so much. Um, I feel like um, sometimes um, rejection can make you lose some relationships. Like you don't have to be bitter, especially when a company even takes it upon themselves to, you know, upon themselves to um, give you feedback. Oh, I thank you for applying. Not, you know, some companies actually send personalized feedback to 
candidates and tell you, you know, just extend, um, you know, their apologies or something for not, you know, um, choosing you as yeah. their candidates and all that. I think when a company does that, you should actually accept it with grace. You can actually reply the message or the email and, you know, and thank them and say, oh, I mean, anything can happen in the future. I would love to keep in touch. Do you mind? Or you can even ask them for feedback. Oh, where do you think I could have done better? Those things create, they help, you know, they help you create new relationships that, like you said, can be useful in the future. You really don't know where this person will be next year or where you would even be as well, you know, the following year. So it's, I think that getting those interviews and meeting people is very, very important. And like you said as well, it's just an experience that will stay with you. Sometimes it even helps you to build your confidence that, wow, I actually know my job. Like, I'm actually good. I'm really good at this thing. The fact that I was not employed by this company does not mean that I'm not, I'm not good. You know, by the time you start speaking and, you know, maybe you even meet with top executives in the company and yet you were, you were very confident, you spoke with so much poise. Those things help build your confidence. So, yeah, yes. I totally agree with you, yeah. It don't it's it's all about your perspective and, and and you just said something that's very important there and I, I think it's important that people who are watching this video or listening to this audio that they they walk away with with this if 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 you don't get anything else i mean everything else is great too but definitely walk away with this and that is each person that you speak to especially if the position is customer facing when you may be interacting with a patient, a client, a customer, a vendor, some other human, it may be a part of their process where they evaluate how you handle rejection. So how you leave that conversation, how you follow up, just like you just said, how you follow up to say, um, you know, thank you for speaking with me, you know, yesterday. Um I, I do understand that I wasn't selected. That is fine. I'm more than happy to have this relationship with you now. My my day is is a little better now knowing that I can now connect with you in the industry. Is it okay with you that I learn uh, anything that you may share or, or an offer that will help me to build better connections in our industry? It is more than okay to ask. It's good to ask. But just always keep that in mind is that how you handle rejection, no matter what industry you're in, no matter if you're customer facing or not, that will also determine how they remember you next time if they're going to call on you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes, especially for big companies, um, they might be you might have been selected for this for a role. And then you were not chosen because obviously maybe there were three great candidates and only one person can be chosen for that role. But that same recruiter, that same, you know, um, talent um, specialist has other roles within the company that is trying to fill. And if you leave a good, you know, a, leave a good impression, there's a possibility that you are even like it reaches out to you or she, she reaches out to you about that other opening that you're not even interviewing for in the first place. Like, so it's so important how you handle rejection, how you handle relationships, how you handle people. It's all it's all a learning curve. It's all a learning process. So, yeah, like yes. you said, yeah, if you don't leave this, if you don't leave this um, video with anything else, you should leave it that the fact that, and the way you handle rejection goes a long way. All right. Um. Wow. It's been an insightful conversation. Thank you so much, Travis. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, awesome. everyone, for watching this video. As like um, like I said earlier. Fiat Vault is a podcast brought to you by Fiat Match, a soon-to-be-launched peer-to-peer international money transfer marketplace. And we have a lot of resources for international students, immigrant entrepreneurs, immigrant working professionals. We have um, resume templates that will work for people in the US, in Canada, and in the UK. We have um, a side hustle ebook for those who want to increase their income beyond their nine-to-five jobs. We also have um, a scholarship application pack for international students where we've curated a list of over 70 um, external scholarships 
And we also have cover letter, scholarship application cover letter templates to help you apply for this scholarship. So we have so much. So visit www.fiatmatch.com um, and click on the immigrants library and then you'll see all these resources I just mentioned. Once again, thank you for watching this video and I'll see you in the next one. Bye. If, if Can I add a little something? Yeah. And, and I know you just said about, but I, I really, really do appreciate you speaking with me uh, today and, and allowing me to connect with your audience. Um, I would like to extend a gift to okay. to your audience. Wow. Um, if Fiat Match is sharing templates, I imagine there's a lot of people who may want someone to review that resume or cover letter for them. Yeah. Um, if if Fiat Match does not do that. Um, we don't I'll, be, I'll be more than happy. I have an entire team of professionals wow. who will do it for free. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. How many people are you willing to take on? So our our max for reviews are 25 a week. Wow. So I would say if you're if you're sending them over. Uh, or, or, or they're watching this or listening to this, they can send them either to um, pattersonresumeresources.com. You can go to the website and you can click uh, on the services. You can just click free resume review, set up wow. a conversation, and we'll take a look at it. And you can email it right on over. Or you can email it directly over to us at info at pattersonresumeresources.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. Um this gift you just shared with our audience i think a lot of people will be very happy to you know um enjoy this free gift so yeah we would announce That's on true. our so we have a we have an email um we have an email list we we'll also announced it there for people who are interested in, in addition to announcing it on our social media channels so thank you very much travis thanks for coming and thanks for the gift as well all right Absolutely. everyone again bye Bye-bye.